the book of Psalms. You can go ahead and turn to Psalms chapter 34 and mark your place there. This is part three of a series we started about three weeks ago on a Wednesday night titled, Blessed is the Man. I said there's 13, 13 or 14, 13, I believe, times in the Bible that phrase is used, blessed is the man. And every one of those times it's used, it's talking about, it's referring to uh, an experience, not just a state, not just your position in Christ in the heavenly places, but blessed is the man and there are things, you know, there that you can read that are happening in that man's life. If you're a Christian, you're blessed. Amen? Male or female, not just man. Blessed is the woman. Blessed is the man. It's a blessed is the person. And there are many different, in, well, there's 13 different things mentioned in the Bible. And you can go back and listen to the first two parts of this. But tonight we're going to be discussing blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. And uh, we're going to hopefully leave here with a better understanding of that tonight because uh, Christians who are living defeated and miserable lives, if you ask them, they'll say, well, I trust in the Lord. But they don't even know what it means or they wouldn't be living miserable and defeated lives bound up in sin because to trust in the Lord is to experience the benefits of the Lord. You could Listen to me now. You can love the Lord. You can know the Lord loves you, and you can say that you're trusting in the Lord and your life be a, a big mess spiritually. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm speaking from experience because you knowing the Lord loves you and you trying to love the Lord is not the answer for your experience of victory. Amen. A lot of people, all Christians know the Lord loves them. And all Christians, hopefully, are loving the Lord. But even the ones who are in a mess, and I speak from experience, even the ones who are in a mess will say, well, I trust in the Lord. But if they knew what it meant to say that, their lives wouldn't be the way they are. I'm not talking about sinless perfection. I'm not talking about perfection. Abel wasn't perfect either. He was as much a sinner as Cain But he brought a sacrifice. Amen. Abel, Abel didn't have it all together. That's why he brought a sacrifice. Cain thought he had it all together, and he didn't bring a sacrifice. Think about it. Us cross-eyed folk know we ain't got it all together. That's why we're learning to be determined to know nothing else. Because we need the power of the cross. We need the wisdom of the cross. We don't have it all. We want it. Amen. Amen. We're not better than anybody, but we are better equipped than most because we're learning the truth of Calvary's Christ. So in Psalms chapter 34, well, before we read that, let me read this. Understanding what in the Lord and phrases like in Him are referring to will make all the difference in the Christian's moment-by-moment -moment experience. Do you tonight know what it means to be in Him? Do you know what it means to have faith in Him? 
I hope you do. I think you probably do. Do you know where you entered him? You entered Christ at the cross. You were immersed into his death, not his resurrection. You were baptized into his death. Maybe we'll get to that tonight. It's in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, if we don't make it. Watch now. All the promises of God are only in Christ. That's the only place they exist, in Christ. You're in Christ, but you have to learn to abide in Christ. All Christians are in Christ. But again, let's go back to the reality. As a Christian, you can live a pitiful, miserable, defeated life. Even though you're in Christ in your position in heavenly places, the Bible says, but here in your condition, you can live a miserable, defeated Christian life. So there's got to be something that we need to know that we don't know if that's the case because it's not God's will that we live miserable, defeated Christian lives. It's His will that we express Christ, and if we are, we're not living miserable, defeated lives. Amen. We will mess up. We will do stupid things. We will say stupid things. We will, let's just get it out there, we will sin. There's no excuse for it. Amen. There's no excuse for it, but we do sin sometimes. Amen. Amen. If you say you don't, well, you're, do, you're doing it right now. Amen. All the promises of God are only in Christ. All of God's works which are ordained for us to walk in are only in Christ. There are no works for you to walk in that God's ordained for you to walk in that are outside of Christ. So you have to learn how to walk in Christ. And Colossians 2, 6 tells us, As you have therefore received the Lord Jesus Christ, so walk ye in Him. You walk in Christ the same way that you entered into Christ, the same way you received Him, by faith in His death. You don't walk in Christ by any other means other than faith in His death. Amen. And I need to say these things before we move into this tonight because blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. The water is not outside this bottle. It's in the bottle. You're not outside this building. You're in this room. You're, you're in this building. But more so, you're in this room. The word in is so minute and so simple, but it is so huge because it's telling you it's a place. To trust in the Lord means you're trusting in who He is and what He did at Calvary because that's how you entered into Him. To say, I, well, I trust in the Lord, that could mean a thousand different things to a thousand different people, and it can't be that way. That's why the church is in a mess today. There's only one place that you can be trusting in the Lord, and it's the same place you entered the Lord, and that means in His death. That's another reason that 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11 says He always delivers us unto death. Us who are alive are always being delivered unto death for Jesus' sake that we might express Jesus in these mortal bodies. Amen. Because it's the only place we can behold and be found abiding in Him. The word abide means continue, remain. Well, you have to have been somewhere to remain or continue. 
And you were immersed into the death of Jesus. So that's where you abide. That's where you remain. That's why the Lord always delivers you unto death. He's not delivering you unto resurrection. That's coming when you see Jesus in the clouds. He's delivering you now. My Bible, for, We got any Bible believers in here tonight? Hallelujah. Our Bibles tell us that we're always, us who are alive, we're always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake so that we might express Jesus in these mortal bodies. Amen. So what's the view? It's the lamb slain. Not just a picture in your mind of a man dying on a cross, but the truth of what really happened there, that he died for you, forgave you of your sins, but here it comes, the second part of the double cure that you have to know or you'll be one of those living a miserable, miserable, defeated Christian life, and that is you have to know that you died with him. You died with him. That has to be at the forefront of your mind on a perpetual basis. You died with him. This life is not about you building a kingdom. This life is not about me having the last word. Uh, This life is not about me anything. This life is Christ or it's not life at all. Amen. So with that said, let's look now at Psalms chapter 34 verses 1 through 8 tonight. It's, it's beautiful to see the truths in the Old Testament. You know, there's a lot of people that don't read the Old Testament. And that's really just so sad for those folks because uh, the, Jesus said the Scriptures were about Him. That's before any of the new Scriptures were written. He was talking about Genesis through Malachi. He said the Scriptures were about Him. The Scriptures testify of Him. The law, the prophets, and the Psalms, they were concerning Him. Uh, If you need Scripture for all that, see me after church. I'll give it for every one of them because they're there. The Scriptures are about Jesus. In the Old Testament, everything that happened was was really the light from heaven shining on Calvary's cross. That's what made everything behind the cross in the Old Testament a type and a shadow of what Jesus would do on the cross. It was just a shadow. Uh, You have to have light hitting something for there to be a shadow. And Jesus was the light that would be revealed on the cross in his death. And that's what the light of heaven shined on for thousands of years. And then when he came and gave his life, the light shine through his work on the cross. And now the old scriptures have become light to us in Christ. All of them. All of them. So think about that when you're studying the Old Testament and the Lord will bless you with great revelation. Psalm 34 and 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. Now notice, notice what this man is doing. Notice the life of this man you're reading about. And we know that all of these blessed is the man statements are really blessed is the Lord Jesus Christ because he's the most blessed man that's ever lived. He's the only one who was ever able to bless God the Father without ever doing anything other than that. Jesus one made statement. He said, I always please my Father. You and I can't never say that. We don't always please the Father. But Jesus said, I always please the Father. That means there was never a moment he wasn't living by faith. Remember, it's impossible to please God without faith. So there was never a moment, not a moment in his life that he wasn't living by faith. He said, I don't do anything unless I see my Father do it. I don't speak unless I hear my Father speaking. 
always, never a moment did our Jesus ever decide he would just say something or do something in and of himself. You see, that would be part of the problem. He came to die for us and to put us away in himself. I'm talking about who we were, self. So watch this man being described here. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. That's, a, that's beautiful, isn't it? That's for you today. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in the fears of this world, my goodness. Verse 5, they looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around them that fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Let's read verse 8 again. There's a colon in this verse, and I don't know what you think about what I teach, but I'm going to remind you of it anyway. When there's a colon in the Scripture, what's being said after the colon is always the specifics or the enhancement of what was previously said on the first side of the colon. So watch it here, and you'll see the beauty of it. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, colon. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. The man that trusts in the Lord is the man who's tasting and seeing. You can't see properly unless you're tasting properly. And there's only one meal on the table. It's not a buffet. It's one meal on the table of the Lord. Jesus said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. If our faith is not in what he did at Calvary... His suffering in his flesh, him dying, the shedding of his blood. If that's not where our faith is, we're not living. We're not living because it won't be proper faith. If our faith is not in the sacrifice of Christ, it's in myself. The only other place my faith can be if it's not in Jesus and what he did for me at Calvary is in myself. Even if it's somebody told me if I would do those three things that God would deliver me, that's a lie, number one, because God's not waiting on you to do something to save you or deliver you. He's waiting on you just to believe from the heart what his son did at Calvary. That's where you get saved. That's where you get delivered. That's where you get it all, my friend. Everything else is fake and make-believe. The church don't like to hear that. That's why our chairs aren't full tonight. But my heart is, hallelujah. Our chairs in this room's not full, but my heart is full because I know the truth and I know where we're being delivered to always by the Holy Spirit. So the Bible here says in verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's no seeing without tasting. Christians who aren't living the victorious Christian life, and I'm not talking about perfection, but I am talking about things getting off of them that they can be a better testimony. 
Amen. I could list a whole bunch of things that I don't do anymore because the Lord saved me from them. Amen. And if He's delivered me from anything, He can deliver you from those things. And even more so. And that is a part of sanctification when you're being sanctified in experience. You have been sanctified when you were born again, according to the Scriptures. You were sanctified. But learning to possess your vessel in sanctification and honor, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you, you, that's a whole different thing. Amen. And part of the growth and maturity is people recognizing that you don't do what you used to do anymore. Excuses about why I got sin and chains of bondage in my life is not growth. It's bondage. Amen. And because most Christians do not know, and you th- you, I'm not being prideful in saying this, I know it to be true. If you don't believe me, just go up to somebody that you know that has been saved for a long time and is real faithful in a local church and just tell them, ask them, that if you had this ish, sinful issue in your life, what do you have to do to get free of it? And you'd be amazed at what they tell you. They'll tell you something like, just give it to the Lord. Okay, where is he? How do I give it to him? How, how many of you have ever heard that? Just Why don't you just give that to the Lord? Okay, where is he? How do I, huh? Yeah, pray about it. Give it to the Lord. Or, well, at our church, we, we're doing this, uh, this, uh, this, I won't even call, there's a thousand different things. We're doing uh, this and that and this and that at our church, and, and it works. No, it don't, none of it work. If any of that works, God's a respecter of persons. And that's a sin to be a respecter of persons. If it's not Jesus and what he did at Calvary alone, God would be a respecter of persons. Amen. Think about it. You'd be amazed at what people tell you. Everybody okay tonight? Blessed is the man that trusts in him. We better go on. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. The man that trusts in the Lord is the man that is tasting and seeing that he's worthy to trust. And in these scriptures, we just read it, and let's read verse 9 to finish this section. Oh, fear the Lord. Oh, fear the Lord. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for there is no lack to them that fear him. And if you back up, you'll see in verse 7, The angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear him. You see, there's something very special about fearing the Lord. That means valuing him above what you you value, anything else. I know God's word says this, but I really want to, I really want, no, 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 no. You got to submit yourself to what the word says. That's fearing the Lord, fear of the Lord. Remember Psalms 25, 14, if you're taking notes. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he shows them his covenant. I said he shows them 
His covenant. See, the church today don't like that. We the church says the world don't like this absolute, this absolute truth. Well, most of the church don't like absolute truth. Because when you share it with them, they'll be like, oh, well, brother, no, I'm showing it to you in the word. What do you mean, well, brother? Amen. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, value him more than they value their plan, their thoughts, their way, what they, how they feel about it all. You know, the Bible says Jesus, when he was crying, was shedding Hebrews 5, tears when he was praying the Bible says he was heard in that he feared you know where it was he, he, he well he feared all his life he, he feared the Lord properly valued his father's plan more than his own feelings and thoughts but in the garden of Gethsemane where Jesus said is there any other way can this cup be taken from my hand can we do this another way and his ultimate remark was not my will but thy will that's the fear of the Lord right there. That's the fear of the Lord right there. Not my will, but thy will. And you say, well, we can't do that. We're not Jesus. You got the Spirit of Christ living in you. You got the Spirit of Christ dwelling in you. I said the Spirit of Christ. You, can, you, you can't choose to quit doing stuff. I mean, some people can. They got a strong will, but that don't mean God's involved. But what you can choose to do is to keep your faith in the sacrifice of Christ. Amen. So there is a something you could do, a search on fear in the Lord. We've taught it many times here. Okay, well, blessed is the man that trusts in him, in him. It's not just an overhead blanket. Well, of course I trust in the Lord. Well, explain it to me. If you, if you were to press a Christian, to, let's sit down here at the table, my friend, and explain to me, not being mean, but just explain to me, how do you trust in the Lord? Nine and a half times out of ten, they're not going to be able to tell you. And if they try to tell you, they're going to be talking about what they got to do. Well, this is what I do to trust in. It ain't about us doing anything. Now, believe me now, if you're a Christian, you're not saved by works, but once you get saved, you're ordained to walk in works. Ephesians 2 and 10 says that you're ordained to walk in those good works, but they're only in Christ Jesus. They're not outside. That's why water baptism can't save you, because it's something you do. That's something you do. And you, you can't do a work to get into Christ. You have to have faith in His work. Amen. But water baptism comes after salvation. Amen. There, so that means you can't do it as a work to get into Christ because there ain't no works outside of Christ. Amen. See how simple that is? Okay, let's move on now. Let's look at another one. Psalms 84, verses 10 through 12. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. Verse 10, Psalms 84. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. Let me see. Psalms 84 and 10. Y'all there? For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Now notice here again is a lifestyle. It's a picture of someone. 
People don't just trust in the Lord. This is a hard issue. It's a hard issue to be trusting in the Lord. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's not just, well, I trusted in the Lord, and, and five years from now I might trust in Him again. No, this is a lifestyle. Look at it here again, and it was like this in the other Scripture as well. Psalms 84 and 10. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Am I reading that right? Okay. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. That means light and guard. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he uphold from them that walk uprightly. Let me, let me, let me read that again. Verse 11, you got to see, you, you're not just trusting in the Lord laying on the couch at home. Not doing anything, nothing's going, you ain't been to yet, you ain't done yet. You'll be just whatever you want to do every day, whatever, however I feel. That's not trusting in the Lord. We're, we're seeing pictures in the Scripture, and we know under the New Covenant that trusting in the Lord means trusting in His death. Nothing else. Let me say it again tonight for those who may not have heard me say it before, but your faith can never be in anything other than the death of Jesus. Your faith can't be in healing. Your faith can't be in a, a job. Your faith can be for healing and for a job and for a horse if you need one, but your faith can't be in anything but in Christ. And that means in his death. That see how important the little word in is and the little word for is? You, if you put faith in something other than Christ in his death, God can't honor that. You can ask God for healing. You better be. If you're sick, you need to be. Lord, I, I need you to touch my body and drive this out. I bet Allie's prayed that a thousand times over the past year or so. Lord, I need you to take this thing away. And praise God, he did. Hallelujah. But you can't have your faith in anything other than Christ. Amen. You can have your faith in Christ for the Lord to do lots of things in your life. But there's only one place for faith to be. That's in Christ Jesus and what he did at Calvary. Nowhere else. We live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. That's, what, that's the faith we live by. Amen. Okay. Here it comes. Let's read verse 11 again. For the Lord God is a son light and shield a guard the lord will give grace he will give grace and glory colon okay get ready no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly how do you walk uprightly before the lord i mean how do you walk upright well you got to go to church and read a chapter a day no 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 that that comes as fruit from walking uprightly before him to walk uprightly before the Lord simply means that your faith, your heart is yielded to the sacrifice of Christ. Romans 6.16, one of the only two ways that you can choose to serve is the one you have to be found serving, obedience unto righteousness. Uprightly, 
O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusts in you. Amen. This is a, this is, there's a comma there. Notice that. O Lord of hosts, comma, blessed is the man that trusts in you. I'm not trusting in the Lord because I tell you I'm trusting in the Lord. It sounds spiritual, don't it? Well, he's trusting in the Lord. He told me he's trusting in the Lord. Well, you, I'm not trusting in the Lord unless I'm trusting I-N. Everybody say in. I'm not trusting in the Lord unless I'm trusting in the place he's allowed me to trust him. The door, the death of Jesus became the door that opened at Calvary. And before anything went into that door, something came out of that door. And it was God's hand reaching for you. The cross of Christ is is what made Christ the door. Nothing comes from God that doesn't come through that door. Nothing goes to our Heavenly Father that doesn't get offered to Him through that door. You can give a million dollars tonight, but if you're not doing it through faith in the sacrifice, you're just buying us a new building for us, and you ain't going to get nothing out of it, but maybe uh, uh, whatever. Everything we offer to God has to be with our heart yielded to Jesus and what he did at Calvary. I'm giving because I want more people to hear the gospel. I want more lost people to be saved. I want more saved people to hear the truth so they can live saved and finally see, or shall I say, finally taste and see that the Lord is good. You don't have to go around your whole life just saying, the Lord is good, hallelujah, the Lord is good. No, you can taste and see that he is good. Amen. A lot of religious stuff in the church, and I like to hear people talking about how, how good the Lord is and how faithful the Lord is, but sometimes that's just a bunch of words. Amen. If the cross is not involved, it's just words. Amen. Blessed is the man that trusts in you. You have to know what it means to trust in the Lord. Amen. All those years I was a Christian and backslidden in the world, just backslidden Christian. And I can't blame it on people not telling me how to live for God because I'm not so sure in those days I would have accepted it. I might not have wanted to. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I the only Christian that's ever lived like that? But then there came a time where the fear of the Lord came upon my heart one day. The Lord reminded me, if you believe in me, if you believe I died for your sins, if you believe I'm coming back for you, then why are you living like you're living? And I'm telling you, everything got real, really real. My heart trembled. Thank God. We're a few days away from that being the year. It'd be 30 years ago, won't it? Hallelujah. All right, let's look at one more tonight. This is going to be a little longer. Jeremiah 17, verses 1 through 8. Jeremiah 17, verses 1 through 8. You can do your own study in this. Jeremiah 17. Verses 1 through 8, you can do your own study on this phrase, blessed is the man. But you'll see every time it's mentioned, if you know the truth of Calvary and if you know that the cross of Christ is God's focus, that's why he's 
desiring for it to be your focus, then you'll begin to see all the scriptures in the light of the one who said he was the light. Amen. When the scriptures get turned on to you, finally, instead of they just being that which reveals, oh, that's talking about Jesus. I see that. Wow. That's interesting. That's good. And that is precious. But let me say something tonight to you, my brothers and sisters. There is something else after seeing how the Scriptures relate to Christ. They're seeing how they're imparted into your heart. Seeing how God rushing into the Garden of Eden when man sinned and preaching the message of the cross to them in type and shadow, which is exactly what he did. That's phenomenal to hear that and to say, wow, I've never heard that before. And to study the Scriptures and to hear preaching and and Christ being real. Whoa, that's about Christ. Hallelujah. Look at the wonderful revelations. Jesus said the Scriptures were about Him. I guess they are. But how are they affecting your life? That's the question. How are they affecting your life? That's the question. Seeing how they relate to Jesus is one thing. Seeing the application of those faithful words applied to your heart, that's something different. And that's where we need to be. Amen. That's what Jesus meant by I'll send the comforter, the spirit of truth, and he will guide you into all truth. He can't guide you into something he's not applying to your heart. And the only application, hear me tonight please, the only application into the heart of any of God's word is through the blood of Jesus. There is no, there is no impartation of God's word that doesn't come through the cross of Christ. Just because I heard it, just because I said, wow, that's nice, that's wonderful. I've never heard that before. I've never seen that before. Wow, I'm blown away. That guy's really good. No, it ain't the guy that's really good. That's the Holy Spirit showing you something. But he's wanting to take it a little further. He's wanting to get you to the place where you are beholding the very image you're being conformed into. And that's not a different image. That's not a different view for the whole church. That's what's wrong with us today. That's why there's divisional, denominational walls up everywhere is because we're not all beholding that glorious image that we're being changed into. Amen. I'm just quoting 2 Corinthians 3.18. You're not being changed into the image of the Son of God unless you're beholding the Lamb. It's not happening. You can dream, you can fake it, you can try to pretend, you can make it look like you've got all this going on, but if you're not beholding the Lamb, you're not being changed into that glorious image of the Lamb. You have to be beholding that image to be being changed into that image. That's what the Bible says. I'm a Bible believer here in these. You know, the Lord told me the other day, He said there's not a famine for the Word in the land. There's a famine among the church for hunger of the word. It's not a hunger for the word. Most people you talk to that'll tell you they're saved, that man, they could care. You come up talking about the word and they'll move away from you. I ain't kidding you. You know why? They ain't got nothing to say. I'm not being ugly tonight. They don't have anything to say because they're not opening the book. Why aren't they opening the book? Because they're not hungry to know what's inside. 
We're more hungry to know what the new show is going to be about tomorrow night than we are what's in the Word. I got news for you. The new show is going to get canceled, but the Word of God is going to be here forever. Mm. All right, y'all hold me up long enough. Jeremiah 17, verse 1. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron and with the point of a diamond. Ooh, that's tough, isn't it? It is graven upon the table of their heart. That's God's people he's talking about. And upon the horns of your altars. While your children, while their children remember their altars and their groves, talking about foreign gods, by the green trees upon the high hills. Oh, my mountain in the field, I will give your substance and all your treasures to the spoil. And your high places for sin throughout all your borders. And you, even yourself, shall discontinue from your heritage that I gave you. Can I say to that, man, don't discontinue from what God's given you. Don't take your eyes off the lamb. Don't take your eyes off what Jesus did for you at Calvary. Hmm. Verse 3, O my mountain in the field, I will give your substance and all your treasures to the spoil and your high places for sin throughout all thy borders. And you, even yourself, shall discontinue from your heritage that I gave you. And I will cause you to serve your enemies. Hmm. Are we seeing that today? More than ever now, it's going to get worse. It's going to triple. It's going to be, it's going to get really ugly in Israel. I ain't getting into that, but it's going to. Hmm. I will cause you to serve your enemies in the land which you know not, for you have kindled a fire in my anger, which shall burn forever. Wow. That's your Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man. Don't trust in men. Don't trust in no preacher. And I be a preacher. Don't be trusting in no preacher. You can trust me to call me and I'll pray with you. Come see if you need me to. Come to the hospital. I'll, I'll, man, I'll help you however I can help you. But you can't trust me. I can't help you spiritually. I, I, I can't deliver you. I can't save you. I can't heal you. I know one who can, but I can't. And don't listen to these folk that say they can. Mm. Let's read verse 5 again. I wish the church knew this, believed it. Thus saith the Lord, cursed, cursed, cursed be the man that trusts in man. Now, there ain't nothing changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament when it comes to this. Cursed be the man that trusts in a man. Hmm. And make flesh his arm, meaning his strength. I can do it. We can do it. Wait till the new year. We'll make a new revolution. What's it called? Resolution. Revolution. We're going to have a revolution. Resolution. That's what everybody's waiting for. Just wait till the new year. We'll make some more New Year's resolutions. What the church needs is a New Year's revelation of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Woo, it's scary to me. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm and whose heart departs from the Lord. If you're trusting in a man, your heart's departed from the Lord. 
Think about that. Think about that in the, in the New Covenant church today. How many people, will man, they won't walk across the street to hear the, the pow, the, what the Bible calls the power, the preaching of the cross, but they'll drive 500 miles and give all the money they got to hear somebody, somebody. Think about it. And what does the Lord say is going to happen to them? Or has happened? They've departed from the Lord. If you're trusting in somebody, you departed from the Lord. Your heart has departed from the Lord. You don't have to live that miserable life. You don't have to live that miserable Christian life. No, you're not going to get it all right 24-7. Abel didn't have it all right 24-7. And let me say it again. That's why he brought a sacrifice because he wanted to be in right relationship and fellowship with the one who gave him the answer for not having it all right. Man, that's good, isn't it? Abel was messy. He was a sinner too. But he was a sinner who knew he needed a relationship with the Lord and to be in fellowship with the Lord, and the Lord had given him only one avenue. Y'all ever think about that stuff very much? Y'all know there wasn't no laws? There wasn't nothing that was sin. I mean, there wasn't nothing. There wasn't no laws during that time. Before, there just been, don't eat off that tree. <laughs> that was it. And now God had told him. If you want a relationship with me, to be in fellowship with me, if you want to experience the enemy's head being crushed when I send the promise of the seed of the woman, this is how it's going to happen through the sacrifice. Cain said, I got it. I, I can do it. I got it. Abel said, I need a Savior. Aren't you glad the Lord showed up? in your life and showed you that you need a Savior. And I'm going to tell you, I don't care how long I am saved, I still need a Savior. I'm going to heaven, but I ain't there yet. I still need a Savior. Hallelujah. I don't need men. They can't save me. I need to be in fellowship with men. breaks my heart when those think they got something going other than faith in the sacrifice. It breaks my heart because if it's not faith in the sacrifice of Christ, it's trusting in men, and that means their hearts have departed from the Lord. That's as, that's as plain and simple as it gets. Well, brother, just because they're not trusting in the sacrifice of Christ does not mean their heart has departed from the Lord. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And to disagree with me and say that doesn't mean their heart's departed from the Lord is to disagree with Scripture. It also means that you're just living, they're just living, whoever would say that, they're just living based on emotions and feelings. Because at the end of the day, it's not about how I feel. It's about what God says. At the end of the day, it's about what did the Scriptures say and am I in line with the Scriptures through faith in the sacrifice? Where are we now? Verse 6. For he shall be like the, the heath in the desert. Heat. And shall not see when good comes. Now think about that. Men who trust in men, whose hearts are departed from the Lord, are going to be like heat in the desert. That's the last thing you need in the desert, ain't it? Heat. That's what God's saying here. You're going to be like the last thing you want to be. 
Think about this. And shall not see good when it comes. Men that are trusting in men, that's why they can't see this great truth that's good, that's the best news ever for the Christian that you got to keep beholding the Lamb. Yeah, pr- pray and believe God to do great and mighty miracles, but you got to be beholding the Lamb, preaching the Lamb. you got to be tasting of the Lamb so you can see that the Lord is good. If you're not tasting and seeing where God's giving you the table to taste and see, then when good comes, you won't see it. That's what your Bible say. Shall not see good when it comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness. He's talking about his people here. Please don't think that what went on for Israel won't go on for the church. Please don't think that there's some mystical, magical something in the church that prevents the church from having to experience automatically these things. No, you don't have to experience this, but without exclusive faith in the sacrifice of Christ, that, that he's describing here the miserable Christian life. That's what he's describing here. In the, when you're in the desert, last thing you want is to be heat. Amen. You need refreshing. When good does come, you want to be able to recognize it. He's saying you won't. But you'll inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabited. Now this is, for them, that was literally physically for the nation of Israel. But for us in the New Testament, these are spiritual places. Spiritual places. Desolation and nothing going on. And and wondering why. That's where the Lord found me in 2004. He found me, Lord, why? Why is nothing working? Why is everything a mess? Why is everything falling apart? Why is everything the way it is? And I got got to the place, and you've heard me say it a thousand times, I literally got to the place where I said, I don't know anything anymore except that you love me. That's all I know. That's it. All the stuff I've been taught, everything I've been taught, I don't know any of that. I'm not sure about any of that, but I know you love me. And I begin to hear through a radio hanging on the wall the Word of God in the context of Calvary. And I didn't like it at first because I was so buried up in the focus in God's Word being everything but that. But with the more I heard, the more I begin to nibble around a little bit. The more I heard, the more I begin to get a little bit bigger bite. I begin to taste, and boy, when you begin to taste what God's offering, you begin to see what God's doing. Mm. And here we are some 18, 19 years later, preaching something I never thought I'd be preaching in my ministry, focused on the cross. If you'd have told me that 20 years ago, I said, nah, we're past all that. I said that. We're beyond all that. Why are they focused on the cross? That's where we started. We ain't there no more. (laughs) Then we lost our house and our land and our vehicles. God was trying to get my attention. Don't ask me why he hadn't done that for other people. I couldn't answer it. Then we get to verse 7. Blessed is the man that trusts, everybody say in, in the Lord and whose hope 
the Lord is. See, here's a big key right here. If the Lord is your hope, you will learn what it means to trust in Him. If He's not your hope, then you'll jump on every bandwagon that comes through town. The new fad this year, boy, this is it. God, and I, I speak from experience. Man, we everything that new pop up, oh, that's it. That's got to be it. Look at the, the Scripture. It's lining up with the Word. Anybody can do anything with the Word, whatever they want to. Man, you can do with the Word what you want to. I get so sick of these preachers saying Jesus taught about money more than he taught about anything else. That comes from a greedy, money-hungry heart. Jesus did not teach about money more than he taught about anything else. That comes from a lying, money-hungry preacher. That's a lie. Got to be careful who you listen to. Didn't Jesus teach us that? Take heed what you hear and how you hear. Let me tell you about preachers. I'm going to let you in a little secret tonight about preachers. Pay attention to what they preach because whatever it is, it's filling their heart. Whatever they preach is filling their heart. Their heart is full of it. Out of the abundance of the heart, Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Take heed who you listen to and what you hear. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak and it's going to do with God's Word whatever is in that heart. If the focus of Calvary is in that heart, the Word of God is going to shine so bright as God said it would literally be the lamp to your feet and the light to your path. Amen. But that's the path He puts you on. It's His path. Amen. All right, I'm going to quit right there tonight. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. I got one more scripture. It was the very first scripture at the top of the message. I didn't quote it. Psalms 35, 9. This is a good one to close on tonight. Psalms 35, 9. And my soul shall be joyful in, everybody say in, in the Lord. See, there's something powerful about that. That doesn't mean a thousand different things. That doesn't mean five, ten different things. That doesn't mean three different things. It means one thing. In the Lord means a position in Him because that's where you are. My soul shall be joyful. Where? Why don't we see more joyful souls in the church? Because they're trying to find joy outside of in the Lord. Watch it. My soul shall rejoice in, everybody say in, in his salvation. It's his salvation. I said it's his salvation. He's not the one that got saved. He's the one who provided it. Amen. Let me read this again. It's good. Maybe you'll go home, pray over this. My soul shall be joyful in the Lord. Not about the Lord. Not with the Lord. In the Lord. In the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in a place. It's a place. The water's in the bottle. You're in the room. It's a place. Your soul can be joyful, but only in the Lord. Spiritually. It, my soul, shall rejoice in 
his salvation. Now notice, there's a colon here in this verse again. So the last part explains the first part. My soul shall be joyful in the Lord. (laughs) Okay, how? Well, here it comes. It shall rejoice in his salvation. When you wake up in the morning, just say, Lord, thank you for saving me. And thank you for showing me that what you did at Calvary is my answer for all things today on this day. And help me to fight the good fight of faith to believe that. When Sister Bucketmouth shows up, when they say that about me, or, Lord, when I'm all by myself because I don't need nobody messing up my day, I can do it myself. Help me to see the victory and the power of what you did for me at Calvary. Not what you only did for me, but what you did to me there. Mm. He got rid of me so that he could make a new me in him. You got to live that way. It can't just be every once in a while. You have to live that way. This becomes your life. This becomes your life. Don't you want your soul to be joyful in the Lord all the time? Amen. It can be. How about that? It can be. And when you see it's not, well, it can right then if you'll look to what you got to be looking at. Have you not learned yet when your mind starts going out to left field to bring it captive to the cross of Christ so your soul can rejoice again? When you're thinking those thoughts you shouldn't be thinking, when you all of a sudden hear something you shouldn't be hearing, when you're looking at something you show shouldn't be looking at, in an instant the Holy Spirit says, over here there's Calvary, and you look to Calvary. You won't find any delivering power from God through any other avenue. The Bible tells you in Hebrews 12, isn't it? Chapter 12, I believe the Bible says, unless you grow weary and faint in your mind, consider the one who endured such contradiction of sinners. The cross is your answer for straying thoughts. It's your answer for keeping your tongue still when you need to or loosing it when you need to. The cross is the power of God. Your Bible says amen. So you were immersed into him and you must trust in the same object that allowed him to immerse you into him, which was his death. Amen. Blessed be the man and the woman that trust in the Lord. Would you stand with me tonight? What a mighty God we serve. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you that we love you. Only because you first loved us. We serve you only because you first served us with your death. We thank you for this truth, Lord, that is simple but yet so much under attack by our own flesh that wants to try to do it his way, wants to figure it out, wants to come up with something so that we can look good about what we're doing. Lord, I thank you for raising up a people in these last moments of this age that are learning to be determined to know nothing but Christ Jesus and Him crucified. Learning where to behold you. Learning where it is we look to see you and what it is we're seeing when we look and find you there. 
I thank you, Lord, for revealing to us that you always, meaning always, deliver us unto death for your Son, our Lord Jesus' sake, that he might be the one being expressed through this old mortal body instead of my old fleshly self. And I thank you, Lord, for this word tonight, this reminder tonight that to trust in you is the place that you immersed us into yourself on the tree on Calvary's hill. Your death for us, removing us from the old creation and bringing us into the new creation just like you did for Noah and his family members on that ark the old creation was washed away and the new creation was there I thank you Lord for that beautiful picture of Jesus dying and us being baptized into his death which was the removal of all the old. Behold, everything has passed away. And bringing us not only into the new, but making us a part of the new creation. I thank you tonight for the simplicity of Christ. How your words become so clear when it's Christ we're seeing in His finished work. I thank you for every person in this room tonight, every person watching online with us. I thank you, Lord, for the impartation of truth into our hearts that only you can do that. Only you can do that. And I ask you tonight, God, to, Lord, to impart that blood-dipped word right into our hearts tonight. Oh, Lord, I thank you for the truth you guide our feet into in the days ahead that our hearts will be enlarged to make room for more of you that each person here each person under the sound of my voice Lord I pray for open doors that we would share these truths we're learning that we would reveal what you're revealing to us to others Lord that we would simply share these truths the freedom and the liberty that your people can have if they will behold the liberator and what he did to liberate us from sin. Not just the guilt and the shame of past sins, but to live without the dominion of the sin nature dominating our lives any longer. We thank you for that precious and marvelous grace tonight. If you need something from the Lord, why don't you just lift your hand to heaven tonight and be bold enough to ask Him for it. Ask Him for it. Lord, we trust Him in the blood of Jesus. We thank You for the death of Your Son that opened the door to all the promises of God in Him. And Lord, I thank You for hearing the cries of Your people tonight. I, I thank You for the miracle work and power of Jesus. I thank you for the healing hands of Jesus that still touch and heal the sick. I thank you, Lord, for comforting those who've been 
hurt for so long. I thank you for mending the broken hearts that have been broken for so long because they've not known where the joy of the soul can be found, where the true rejoicing doesn't just have to be for a moment here and a moment there, but a life full of joy, a life full of rejoicing. I thank you tonight again for these wonderful words of life. And I pray for the impartation to be great. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Blessed be the precious Lord. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Lord, again, I thank you for hearing the cries of your people tonight. I thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. I thank you for great conviction, great conviction of the Holy Spirit. I pray for a harvest of lost souls to be saved all over this Oklahoma, Texas region. And I pray, Lord, for a unity in your people, in the church, Lord God, that the church has never known. That walls would fall and the focus would become clear as to the object of its faith, the Lamb slain. And we thank you for it tonight. We thank you for it tonight. We worship you tonight. We praise you, Lord. We thank you for your presence in this place and your power. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to run across town or run across country or fly overseas. Lord, right here where we are, right here where we are right now, we're just asking, Lord, for you to show yourself strong on our behalf. That every need be met in this place. That every eye be open to the reality of the truth of Christ crucified. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We ask these things tonight in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Is there anybody here who need us to pray special prayer for you? You can come. We'll do that before we leave. Don't ever leave if you need prayer. We'll just pray with you specifically. You don't even have to tell us what it is. The Lord already knows. He already knows. But sometimes the Lord will ask you to be prayed for because it is scriptural. Sometimes, let me say that again, He will ask you to let people pray for you because it is very scriptural. So don't ever hesitate when the Lord stirs your heart to be prayed for. Amen. Besides, we're all family. We don't have to be embarrassed or shy. We're all family. This is like our living room at home. Amen. Hallelujah. He's able to do anything. One more thing before we leave tonight. The Lord stirs my heart to remind us of this right now. Don't look back. Don't look behind you. The Lord's not pointing to anything in your past except what His Son did at Calvary. God's not basing what He's going to do in you, for you, through you, or to you from this moment on on anything in your past. Only what your heart is doing with Calvary's Christ. That's it. So you don't have to condemn yourself. You don't have to... Let the enemy lie to you and tell you God's not going to do it for you because you did all that. That's not scriptural. 
Don't look back. Look ahead. That's where the Lord's pointing. That's where He's leading. He's not. We're not going in circles. We're going straight ahead. The march is to the finish line. Amen. Don't look back. Just trust the Lord all the way to the finish line. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Have a great week. I'll see you Sunday morning.